Welcome to the Ride in the Pine podcast presented by KTSW Sports. Have a really great show for you guys today. Men's basketball is struggling. The bottoms have fallen out of the bucket. And we're going to go over Brendan Snow's injury history because there's a lot of stuff that you probably didn't know about my co-host. So you're going to want to stick around and listen to it. Brandon, we start first off with this Texas State men's basketball team. I was telling everybody that I know that it feels like this was a hot air balloon, that we all got really high on it, and then boom, the bottom fell out, and we are struggling. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Earlier in the year, we were talking you know, pretty highly of them. They're on the you know the six-game win streak, looking good in conference, squeaking out these close wins. So we're like, oh, they know how to win when the game's late and close, and yada yada and then it just took a complete 180 the opposite direction they're losing these close games we come in every day talking about how they can't score they can't score and as much as we you know keep saying that lately their defense hasn't looked that good either uh casper said last week after uh one after one of the losses what was the game we went to last week we went to oh i went to both the losses and both of them said that he, he kind of well, said well, that well i'll think i'll think the georgia state game yeah, yeah after state. The georgia state game on that last thursday when uh he talked about their offense, their poor offense hurts their defense, you know, because they get their heads down. They're not playing as hard on defense because they're, you know, not feeling rewarded on offense. So we, that's why we've seen both those numbers, the offense be terrible, the defense numbers also been looking bad. And, you know, the sense of Bobcat basketball around Texas State and San Marcos has died. No, just say it. They gave up 55% shooting from the floor against Georgia Southern. They only shot 51% from the floor. In a game that should have been great, Trey Nottingham had 27 points, had a career high in a uh, Bobcat uniform. You can't win. I don't want to blame all of it on Nigel Pearson, but I want to say that we kind of cursed him. We had him on the show, and since then he has struggled. Yeah, and I, I was thinking that. I think we give sometimes we give Nigel Pearson a little bit of a pass just because how great he was last year. We still talk about, you know, oh, how good he was as a freshman, how good he was as a freshman. And then he gets thrown into, you know, the leader role, basically the team as a sophomore, supposed to be the lead scorer, has the ball in his hands almost the most, uh, one of the top guys in rebounds on the team, assists on the team. And he every night, every night I come in, I watch him, or I look at these box scores, his shooting numbers are poor. And he shot five of fourteen. Like, there's that's non-excusable. That's not something that can happen if you're the leader of the team. It it just can't. We don't. I'm not asking him to score all the points in the world. In fact, I've retracted what I said earlier. I said that we'd want Nigel Pearson shooting the ball twenty times because he's our best player. I don't know if that's true anymore. I don't know if Nigel Pearson can honestly be. He might be the best all-around player, but scoring-wise, I don't think so. I I don't think so anymore. Uh, I mean, looking back all the way uh, in conference since January 11, that was in, at Arkansas State. Actually, we go back before that, the Troy game uh, on January 5th as a home game. He hasn't shot, oh, he shot over 50% from the floor once in that span of 6, 9, 12, 14 games. He shot over 50% once. And I'm looking, I see 36%, 36%, uh, 27%. I see this game's 15%, you know, a lot of 20s and 30s just... If that's supposed to be your best player, you're not going to win games. Well, shooting game. percentage from the floor is 39%. And at any level, you can be playing YMCA basketball. Brendan, if you knew a guy on your YMCA team, your intramural team, was shooting 39% from the field, how often would you pass them the ball? Yeah, I'm like, no, I'm not giving him a lot of shots. Unless I think it's a good shot, and that's the problem. But Nigel Pearson, he's, not, he's also not getting a lot of good shots. He's taking a lot of things off the dribble, try, trying to take things to the hole himself, shooting a lot of, I'd say, bad threes. He'll pull up and off the dribble and transition that just doesn't feel it just doesn't feel right for him it doesn't feel like it's his game and we said that before we said 
uh, in both these games this week, Georgia Southern and State, we said that, hey, it feels like when the shot clock's running down, they're not looking for a good shot. They're not trying to wind the clock down and take, you know, an uncontested three or try to get in the paint or give it to Emmanuel King or do anything like that. It feels like, oh, five seconds left, we're going to chunk up a three. It is so frustrating to me that there is an entire books have been written about how small ball works and how, you know, this works. We are not a big team. We are one of, I think, one of the smaller teams in college basketball. Yet, somehow, we run the slowest offense I've ever uh, seen. Well, yeah, maybe just, I don't know if it's just, uh, I think it's just Casper's way. He They're obsessed with feeding the post. I, I get it. Emmanuel King's a solid player, but you come, they come out and they look to force it to him so many times a game down low, or even when it's Eric Terry. It's just, they're clearly, not it's good clearly, enough. It, it's clearly just a system because whoever's in, Casper just hasn't. They have them post up, and they try to force it to him whenever they can. You know, you know, get it down low, get it down low. Casper uh, and the assistants are screaming, and things. It's just I don't think it's the, you know, best chance for the team to score is forcing it to the post. And now, if we were like Arizona, with uh, you know, a solid center, or if we were Texas with a solid center, I'd say, oh, you know, we need to feed this guy. We don't have that. That's not a thing that happens. That isn't something that is like happening at Texas State. Why are we doing this? It doesn't make any sense to me. Women's basketball, got to put it out here. Tasha Levitt, she's 10 threes away from the all, or I'm sorry, 11 threes away from the all-time single-season three-point record for women's basketball. She has 119 made threes on the season. I'm liking it a lot, Brendan. She's shooting a little bit under 40, I'm sorry, a little bit under 50% too. I want to say she's shooting at like a 43% clip from behind the arc. They got one more game left here in San Marcos. It's against UTA, the team that's right below them. In conference play, do you think that she hits 11 threes in this game? Well, because she needs to hit 11. She, she, she still needs 11? She needs 11. She's at 119. The leader has 129 all time. This oh, is, now, we, ha- we have seen her hit 10 threes in a game. She did twice already this season, hit 10 threes in a game. Uh, as of lately, she hasn't been as hot. You know, uh, had the whole Hermes in Louisiana trip, uh, coach's decision. She came off the bench the game after that, but then got back to her starting role this past Saturday. Uh, I definitely, I, I'm not gonna go and give it to her. I, I think she's gonna come up short as much as I wanted to get it. I don't know if I'm gonna set I, for anybody. I can't predict that they're gonna hit 11 threes a game. And yeah, I think I think she's got it. No, I'm not. Even, oh. I'm not even kidding. So I think that she's gonna be able to do this because UTA sits behind Texas State. Texas State's 14, or I'm sorry, 13 and four. UTA is 12 and five. I, this game doesn't really matter to me, at least. I don't think that this game matters that much. Besides trying to get her this record, because. If you're the two seed or if you're the three seed, you're still going to end up either playing, you're either going to play Georgia Southern or Georgia State. ULM, uh, Little Rock has secured. They're at 15-1. They're not going to lose. I don't think that they lose until they get to the Sun Belt Conference Championship. Texas State has pretty much secured the two spot, two or three. It doesn't really matter to me what they get. I feel like they're going to feed Levitt as much. I feel like we're going to see a ton of pick and rolls. I feel like we're going to see a lot of you know off-ball screens to get her open corner threes. The only thing is, this is the only downside to this to me, is that if you do this, Brooke Holly, who has been having an outstanding couple games she has been playing like a true three like a true small forward in this system I'm worried that if you force Levitt to take all these shots you might cool Holly off now grand she shot three of ten uh this last game I think that you can push past that I think that you can you know I think that she rebounds well from that well what's gonna come down to uh that's also gonna play a factor in that 
regarding if she gets that or if uh, Levitt gets that record or not. You know, that game's going to be uh, this Saturday, that UTA game. Then the Sunbelt tournament won't start. It'll, it'll start on Tuesday. So the team was going to get a bye. They're going to get the first round bye also. So I, I think it's a double bye. Uh, they're going to be the two seed in the Sunbelt Conference. They might get a double bye. So they're, they're not going to be playing until, you know, uh, probably about Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, one of those later days, probably Thursday or Friday. You know, you know, you we're still gonna want the Texas State starters to play a good good amount and go ahead and get that win. Maybe try to get that Levitt that record, but you don't want to get the uh, the rust aspect of things. You know, last game of the season, you're gonna be the two seed. You don't want you're gonna get that whole rust versus rust versus rust debate when you come up to the Sunbelt tournament later that week. I want to see them play well in this game. Everyone wants to see. Brooke just say what, just want, say what you're going to say. Don't want, go do a roundabout way. Say what you're going to say. I want Brooke Holly. I'm just. I want everyone to still be acting. Like I want. Like I don't want to take shots away from Brooke Holly. It's going to mess up her rhythm with the tournament coming up. Okay, she took ten shots. Levitt took. I want to say a couple more. Her and Taylor Deer combined for four, fifteen shooting from behind the arc. I don't see this being that big of a deal. I think let let Levitt shoot through the wall thirty times. If she makes it eleven, I'm completely okay with this. Just get her the record, and then from that point, just go on with the rest of your time. I like I said, it doesn't matter if they win this game or not. They're going to be the two or three seed. If they lose, so what? If they win, it's just cherry on top. I really want. I really think that Coach G is going to work the ball to Levitt. I, I mean, they've had a couple a rough couple days or weeks going into this game, but I think that this is really the epitome of the entire season. Is this win? This this record is what people are going to remember more than if this team goes on and loses in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Maybe that's what the people will think. What does the coach and the players think? You know, some, most of these players and Coach D probably have the taste. Remember last year, they lost the last two games of the regular season, still went in, you know, as the four seed in the Sun Belt tournament, and then lost in the first round to Louisiana. So they don't want to have anything that can, you know, remind them of last year, you know, lose lose this game, lose momentum. And then go into the tournament uh, after letting some teams play for a little bit, get warm, you know, get warmed up, and then play you when they're in rhythm. You haven't played in a week. As much as I do love records, I still want to focus. I'm still on the focus on winning part aspect. Yeah, it doesn't matter to me. Let's talk about your injuries because I think that that's really interesting. If anybody that doesn't know, Brendan has paper skin and glass bones, but. I wanted you to break down these injuries because I was talking to him. The reason this came up was I was talking how much you think it would hurt to break an arm. And Brendan willingly gave up that he's broken his arm four times, which to me is amazing. Like, I, I've, I don't know if I know anybody that has broken their arm four times. He broke his femur, which we both agree is arguably the most painful thing a human can endure. So, Brendan, let's go down. Four concussions. All right, so if I got to think about this a little bit. So I broke my first arm. I don't. I can't remember exactly if it was right or left. It's actually... It was my left. I broke my left arm in kindergarten. I was at the park across the street with my brothers and some friends. We're playing the monkey bars. Fell off the monkey bars. Landed wrong. Broke my arm. Brother runs me home. We go uh, hospital. All that. The next year, first grade, I'm rollerblading. You know, my arm's out of the cast and all that. I'm good. I'm rollerblading. I'm rollerblading close to the curb. I just lose my balance. I wasn't wearing pads. Hit my arm on the curb. Break, you know, radius only right there. Dad comes and gets me to the hospital. For a few years, I'm healthy. <laughs> no injuries. We're you drink, good. You're drinking milk. All of a sudden, we're in uh, February, me being in seventh grade. I'm at our local rec pretty much area. But we're going to go inside the basketball, but they're closed because there's a dadder, father-daughter Valentine's dance thing. We didn't know. It was like around Valentine's Day. So we're playing at the park outside, chilling, me and my friends, climbing up on these, uh, climbing up in the park, just 
being stupid pretty much, fall off a thing on the park, break that arm. So which arm was that? Was that the right arm again? That one was that one was the right. Because I remember that's when I became really good at my left hand. Was my, you know, I was in middle school. I started using my left hand a lot. And I felt good. I was like, oh, I'm ambidextrous and all that. That summer, you know, to, that was in February. So this is like later in June. My right arm is still in the soft cast, you know, the Velcro soft cast. Uh, I'm at a, my friend's birthday party. It's like a block party we're throwing. And I'm playing with the kids. And I accidentally throw this kid's football over the fence. And I was like, hey, don't worry. I threw it over. I'll get it. I hopped a brick wall to get it. And the brick wall is connected to a black iron fence. And I was jumping at the corner. And I went to go jump down the black iron fence. My shoelace got caught. Broke my arm right there. So so broke your left arm. Yeah, I broke my left arm. So I had that one on the full cast. I had my right arm in a soft cast. So that was almost bad. Uh, so that went down for a while. And then my freshman year of college, I was at the rec here at Texas State. Oh, this playing. is the best story. <laughs> I was at the rec here at Texas State playing basketball. Got the rebound. I was taken off the other way, trying to kind of go between two defenders. And I tripped on the one behind me. And I don't know, it, even the doctors are still like, how'd you break it? What? Running? Like, it doesn't make sense. I just, you know, landed my right leg way out in front of me. Too much weight on it. Snapped my femur. I'm laying there on the gym floor. <laughs> uh, uh, people, you know, around me I'm playing with, and they're like, oh, what happened, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, yeah, I think he, he hyperextended his knee or something. I was like, no. No, no, no. <laughs> this is much worse. And, you know, they bring the first aid guy out and certified out there. And I'm like, hey, uh, everything below my knee is numb. Everything above my knee hurts. You guys think I broke my my thigh? The you know, the local, the Rex, like, first aid guy's like, no, nah, man, you're, no, nah, I don't think so, you're all right. I'm still laying there on the floor for a while because I refuse to move. An ambulance comes. The first thing paramedics get there, look at him, like, yeah, we broke his femur. They, so they got to cut off my shorts, my, uh, I was wearing my good Nike uh, Combat Pro pad shorts underneath, that cut those off. Good, good little plug. They cut off my, uh, I was wearing my Nike Purple and Yellow Elites, which are my favorite ones because they matched my, pretty much my high school colors and uh, LSU, LSU's colors of purple and yellow. They had to cut that off my right foot. I had to beg them not to cut my shoe. Uh, yeah, so they strapped me up, ambulance me down to Austin. I spend three days in the hospital. I get surgery, titanium rod, and screw, and all that in my legs. That was fun. Made my made it was, that was in November of 2015. So and that was right before finals. So that really hurt my uh, GPA per se that year. Uh, so that was that. And then this past summer. Because I can't have nice things. I'm playing basketball in our summer league, rec league. Well, I'm not even playing with my team. I'm playing with a different team just because I want to play more. Late in the game, I get pushed in the corner. I'm losing my balance backwards. Slam my foot straight on the ground. Fracture my big right toe. So it's in a walking boot for part of this summer. So yeah, I've been uh, at a lot of disadvantages. Uh, <laughs> I just want to bring up the adversity. <laughs> the adversity that Brendan Snow has had to overcome. So at any anytime anybody questions the willingness for Brennan to dive out for a loose ball at the wreck. Just remember that he's made of glass because intramural is coming up. Well, and, and that's how I played in high school. I, I was a hustle player. I dove, I took charges. That's what I did. I, I was okay with the contact. And that's how I've gotten, you know, uh, at least, at least two concussions from taking charges. Hustle player <laughs> is actually code for gym rat and, you know, bench bum. So I, I like I'm, this. I'm all those things. I like how you were just, you're honest about that, that you're a hard worker. Um, that's going to do it for us at the Ryan Lapine podcast. Uh, or baseball is really starting to kick it off a little bit. We're going to get into that next week. Softball is Nick, doing. Nick Phrase is still to school grad. He called the game Friday against McNeese State. Uh, no earned runs, one run against, uh, an unearned run, but six strikeouts against seven innings. He looks real good. We're, we're going to do an in-depth uh, 
discovery on Nick Fraze because this man is incredible. Randy Rupp is arguably the greatest athlete ever to walk through San Marcos. So we're going to jump into that next week as well. Thank you guys for listening. You can listen to all of the Riding the Pine podcast on the Texas State Student SoundCloud. You also can look on the KTSW blog where we have some really great stuff. I want to do a little bit of pitch right here. Alex Haynes, you and I both love Alex Haynes. My man put out a great article on Texas State softball that you're going to want to read. Uh, he's, he's in the process of making that Louisville one right now. Uh, about the entire investigation, the FBI investigation. So it's really, really good stuff. You're going to want to check that out. Guys, get off the bench and get out there.